The following marketing information and discussion is provided for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as professional guidance or consultancy. You should find an agency for that. Comexis is a digital marketing agency, so feel free to hire us. But otherwise, just enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Buyer's Journey by Comexis, a discussion-based podcast on the ever-changing marketing landscape that affects how your customers and clients purchase, ultimately optimizing your marketing efforts. I'm Matthew McGordy, the social media content producer here at Comexis. I am Len Ward, the managing partner at Comexis. And I'm Josh Lyons, the digital marketing coordinator here at Comexis. So today we have come to the end of the buyer's journey. Uh, All this week we've been covering podcast topics about specific stages in the buyer's journey and in general about what the buyer's journey is. Last episode we were on the retention stage of the buyer's journey. So your customer or client has already purchased your product or service and now you are trying to retain them, make sure they are staying in the funnel through different tactics such as email marketing, posting organic social about different webinars, different other events that you're doing, things like that. And now we're in the advocacy stage. So the advocacy stage is a little bit different than the other stages and I'll let Len um, talk about that in in just a moment. But the advocacy stage really is when I, well, at least when I personally think about it, I think of it as a separate step that influences every other step behind it because of how powerful word of mouth and things like that can be. But I, I will pass it on to Len. Len, can you give me a little description about the advocacy stage of the buyer's journey? Yeah, the advocacy stage, advocacy stage of the buyer's journey is when somebody's had a really good experience with your product or service and they become an advocate. They either share it on social media, they leave a review you know, on Yelp or on Google, um, and they're actively advocating for the purchase or the engagement of your product or service to friends, family, and colleagues. Exactly what Matt said, it is arguably the most single important stage of the buyer's journey. The consideration stage, the buyer will only move from the consideration stage to the purchase stage if they visit the advocacy stage and are happy with what they're seeing online about your company. Uh, If somebody becomes aware of your product, they will eventually or actually go in and take a look at the advocacy stage and type in company's name, reviews, and so forth to think if you should even be considered kind of hopping around here, but if I go to the purchase stage, before somebody makes a purchase or decides to engage with you on a service, the very first thing somebody will do is they will actually Google your company's name plus reviews, plus lawsuits, plus complaints, plus issues and things like that. So they are specifically looking for a problem in your company. It is your job in the advocacy stage to show that there is not a problem in the company. Um, So getting reviews, getting your word out there, and there's a couple tactics you can do is good, but that is the advocacy stage. And, and one thing I want to mention as, as we were talking about the different steps of the buyer's journey, um, advocacy also plays a part in the retention stage specifically because the retention stage is an opportunity for you to make sure that your company is being kept top of mind so when they're a part of your email list and maybe you send out an email saying, hey, would you mind giving us a review? Would you mind giving us a couple stars or something like that? That is, this is the stage when they would do that after having been funneled through the different stages. And another thing I actually want to bring up before we get into our audience, um, our audience profile is, you know, 
we always talk, we talked about back when this podcast was the Comexis cast and on, and on different things that we've done about how, you know, the phrase, you want screaming fans, right? Well, in the advocacy stage, somebody can also be leaving a review that's maybe not as positive as you would like, as we've talked about um, in the uh, consideration stage, how sometimes there's going to be questionable reviews or, or something. Um, and the advocacy stage, you know, is also another stage where you can look at the reviews people are leaving and take feedback and respond to them uh, appropriately so that you're making sure to keep your brand um keep confidence in your brand, make sure that you're responding and listening to things, because that also might influence somebody who's left another review. I've seen countless Amazon reviews uh, that were that were like two stars, and somebody's gone, I changed my mind, I changed it to four or five because I listed this review, they got back to me, and everything got soft. So just something to keep in mind. No, I I, and I just want to kind of throw one more thing on there, because this is a very important stage, is that, you know, at times it's worse it's worse if you're a company going out getting reviews and you have 100 good reviews and they were all done April 5th and they were all done March 15th. It doesn't, it doesn't look good. How your reviews come across online, they have to look organic. And again, we kind of mentioned this on a couple of podcasts ago, you know, having a scar, having a flaw is okay. It is how you respond to it. The worst thing you can do is clump together a bunch of great five-star reviews on 10 different days throughout the entire year. It looks bad, it looks fraudulent, and now you're beginning to see the rise of somebody say, so it was today a day that you did all your harvest reviews and so forth. So you especially see that on Glassdoor. Uh, they're saying, okay, well this company now got a bunch of reviews, all the employees are happy. Did they just tell everybody on April 5th, okay, we need good reviews today? So how you go and engage on these tactics are very, very important on how it looks. Absolutely. So Josh, would you mind uh, leading us into our final audience profile for the buyer's journey. Sure. And I, if you've been listening the whole way through, I could only imagine that you are very up to date on what Jenna's been doing with her whole bison vacuum. But uh, here we go for the last stage. So Jenna's a 24-year-old who has finally moved into her first apartment in Philadelphia. Before moving, Jenna purchased a bison vacuum on Amazon to keep her apartment tidy and even signed up for their newsletter. One day, Jenna receives an email from Amazon asking her to rate her vacuum purchase. Jenna, being generally satisfied, gives the vacuum a positive review that explains her experiences with the vacuum. Months pass and Jenna hasn't thought of vac well, months pass and Jenna hasn't thought of the vacuum except for her general tidiness or if there was a mess that needs cleaning. In springtime now, however, and some of Jenna's friends are planning big spring cleaning days for their own apartments. Jenna decides to take part even going so far to post a before and after picture on her Instagram, plus a picture of her cleaning supplies, including the bison vacuum. Later that night, Jenna receives a text message from her friend Daryl complimenting her cleaning skills and asking her for her opinion on cleaning supplies she's using. Jenna tells Daryl about the bison vacuum, its pros and cons, and it's quite positive about its use. Daryl thanks her and says he'll definitely take a look at the bison in the future. So what, what two key things about um, this little example that we've given is we have both an Amazon review advocacy, which is something that we, we, we talked about uh, before when we were talking about, uh, but, but something that we talked about before when we were uh, discussing leaving reviews and things like that. But we also had word of mouth, which we've seen in the consideration stage with Jenna, who heard it from another one of her friends. Uh, and now we're seeing her explaining, you know, all the different things that she's had with this vacuum. So that's another thing to keep in mind. You know, just because you're not seeing a review, um, just because you're not, you know, seeing people talking about your products necessarily, doesn't mean that people aren't 
keeping your products in mind or your service in mind when they are you know out and about or talking to their friends family members things like that so again just another another point to bring home that you, you really need to be sure that you're you're doing your best in in these reviews because all it takes is one bad amazon review for me to see and then i go oh maybe i don't want that product and then if josh asks me about it i'll say i don't know i saw some some questionable reviews about that one so just something to keep top of mind um, but in regards to, to the advocacy stage, we have a really interesting article from Matt, Matt, uh, from Matt Southern on Search Engine Land. Less than 1% of customers leave feedback for businesses. So he writes about a new study from Appetentive that finds that most brands hear from less than 1% of their customers. Uh, customers rarely leave feedback, and when they do leave feedback, often the process is clunky and time-consuming. That was what they listed as one of the reasons why feedback is rarely left. Um, and in addition, sometimes brands aren't as proactive in their efforts to get feedback in non-intrusive Way. So I know a lot of the times when I've gotten emails asking for feedback or, you know, you, you buy something and they ask you right at the end a quick, like, Google survey um, that it's been not the best scenario in which I could be asked for a review. Uh, so what do we think about this? I, I think it is still a problem for companies on Charlie Halvers Reviews. And, and as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think how companies are doing these reviews, some are doing them great. Some do a great job. Some do a really bad job. You know, and again, it's don't, you can't sit around your law firm and say, today's the day we're gonna get 100 reviews. You can't, do, it's gotta be organic. It should be something where once a week, you have someone at the office, gather the emails of the cases you just closed, or gather the people of the cars you just sold, and, and, then, and then you kind of use one of these platforms to send it out. But just to say, run around with your hair on fire and say, we got two bad reviews, I gotta flood the market with all new reviews, looks really bad opposed to the person dealing with the negative review and just letting all the other stuff organically happen. So there's an art to getting reviews and just pure you know, grunt effort of getting 5,000 reviews is not necessarily the way to go about it, so. Yeah, absolutely, and, and earlier in the week we talked about uh, Trustpilot and the ways that they're trying to bring transparency to reviews. And you, know, you mentioned people's heads catching fire and, and, and being very worried about a couple bad reviews. And we've talked about ways to respond to bad reviews, things like that. Um, but also just keep in mind that you can't just flag every bad review that you have. There has to be a legitimate reason why it's being flagged, something done in bad faith, et cetera. So just keep that in mind. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting about the, the less than 1% is it reminds me uh, back when I was um, in the radio portion of my career, there was a really interesting um, statistic, and for those of you who are listening, you guys can take this and try and enter a bunch of radio contests that you hear on Terrestrial Radio. Uh, less than half of 1% of listeners to radio stations actually call into the radio station for these different contests and things like that. And that's because uh, either most people aren't interested because they're driving or something, or they don't think they'll win because they think it's a ton of people calling. Now, half of a percent of certain radio stations is quite a lot of people, but it's actually not nearly as many as you think, so just something to keep in mind. That's, that's why when I hear this, that, that stat does not surprise me at all because I think of myself, you know, how many times have I left a review for something and it's probably not as often as it probably should have been, so. There you go. Um, some really interesting numbers that uh, this article had that I really liked. Um, research shows that 51% of consumers expect companies to ask them for feedback across the following channels, email, phone, in-store, online, and, and app. Um, I think email is probably the most obvious, though in-app is rising. Um, and it's for this reason, around 64% of customers would prefer to provide in-app feedback, and 98% of respondents to a survey said that they would likely give in-app feedback when asked. Josh, what do you think that is? Well, 
I think about myself and when I'm you know digging through apps and, and on my phone, and I don't want to have to take that extra step uh, to you know bounce off what I'm doing right now to go leave a review. So if in an app a review pops up and they want you to leave a review and I'm satisfied, um, you know it's right there. It only takes a couple minutes to fill it out. But if you have to go that extra step, not only does it force you away from what you're doing already, but it sort of makes you, you know, that you don't want to have to jump. And that's why I think it's important for apps and for, you know, any site that you have the ability to leave a review directly where you're currently looking because you're also bouncing everyone away from what you're on right now. So if you're on a website and they want to ask you to leave a review and you have to click away, well, they're taking you off your page and then there's a chance they're not going to come back onto your page. So I think that stat being that 98% of respondents said they would likely give in-app feedback when asked is extremely important and it should you know, be taken seriously for all businesses. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot about um, bounce rates um, on websites when I think of um, the likelihood of leaving reviews. You know, if you if your bounce rate ends up being high, um, you have a problem. You need to figure out what that UI decision is. Maybe the information on the site isn't clear. Same thing with reviews. If you are sending somebody to some random new page, if you're taking them away from what they're doing, if you're not making the process easy, there's an opportunity for them to bounce and never come back, which is not something you obviously want, especially when they're trying to go either out of their way to actually do you a service and leave a review. Um, you definitely want to make sure that you can make it as easy as possible for your customers and clients. Uh, any final thoughts on this piece or just advocacy stage in general? No, I'm good. Nope. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode of The Buyer's Journey. This has concluded this entire opening week of us chronicling each stage of The Buyer's Journey and The Buyer's Journey in general. So if you have not listened to our previous episodes, please check them out. We go as in-depth as we did on this podcast um, for the rest of the stages of the buyer's journey and on the buyer's journey in general. Check us out on Comexis.com, YouTube, and anywhere else you can get your podcasts such as the iTunes Store or Spotify. And please follow us on Twitter at buyers underscore journey. Thank you for listening. See you guys next time. Bye.